Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Um, welcome to Emoja's latest series, which is Community Voice. Today's show is co-hosted by me, Fatima Al-Sayed, and Imran Durimzi. Community Voice talk show incorporates the true essence of Emoja, which means unity. With so many successful and inspiring youth movements and leaders around us, we will be learning their stories, struggles, and ideas to reimagine our own daily lives and goals. Uh, but first, a bit about the Inspire platform, as usual. Uh, the Inspire platform is a question and answer platform for career advice in our Shia community. Um, as a rising professional, you can ask for great advice from professionals in our community. And as a mentor, you can give advice to our community's future professionals, as well as students who are maybe older, um, younger than you. Um, and this is available via the Umoja app on Android and iOS with uh, an Umoja account. Um, and now on to our speakers. So today we're speaking with um, Sister Sama Jaffer and Sister Halima Wali from Shia Racial Justice Coalition. Um, and this organization began in response to discussions regarding racism and anti-blackness in our Shia communities. Um, so the aim of SRJC, as I'm sure we'll hear much more about um, in this show, is to provide resources to help our communities understand and fight racial injustice while uplifting black Shia voices. Um, and so let's bring in our speakers. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Sama and Sister Halima. Thank you so much for joining us. Assalamu alaikum. Assalam. Thank you so much for having us. How are you guys doing? Doing well, alhamdulillah. Uh, the weather's getting better on yeah. the coast, so that's definitely something to look forward to. Finally. <laughs> um, so when before we really get into it, I wanted to hear from... Halima, a little bit about, um, you know, how did SRJC start? Sure. So um, SRJC uh, started really um, right after the George Floyd murder last year. Mm -hmm. um, one of the one of the members, uh, Sister Sakina and I, we just weren't seeing action from our local masajid, from our community centers, um, and really just staying quiet. Um, and so we figured... Um, that something needed to be done, right? Because we saw a lot of other communities speaking up, standing up for what was right in that situation. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to make sure that our community was doing the same. And so we started reaching out to different masjids, uh, community centers, urging them to release a state. Um, and it worked, you know, we, to our surprise, a lot of centers were um, really receptive to that and they wanted to learn more. Um, and so we were like, you know what, in the past, Sakina and I uh, were both from New Jersey. We've done local community work, especially in Newark. Uh, we raised over $5,000 for the water crisis that's going on in Newark. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've done sort of these one-off community works, but we figured, okay, how could we make something that's a little bit more formal? And that's where really where the origins of, of Shia Racial Justice Coalition began. Um, Sister Como and Sister Sama then joined on as well because we all shared the same vision. Individually, we had done work around racial justice, but then we, um, you know, alhamdulillah, all found each other and wanted to do something a little bit more tangible as an organization. That's incredible. And, yeah, and um, since then, um, Sama, I don't know if you want to mention it, but since then, like, we've done so much work um, and, you know, alhamdulillah for, for the reception in the community and all that. So I think so before we get started with that, um, could you each tell us about yourselves um, just a little bit, like a brief intro? Uh, Sister Sama, if you want to go first. Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm a graduate student um, currently interested in researching the history of Islam and Muslims. 
um, particularly in Western context, North America. Um, and I, um, I mean, prior to um, starting my graduate studies, I was working in community engagement and journalism. And a lot of my work had to do with, um, I'm from Canada, from Vancouver, and um, looking at the way that um, not only racism, but all sorts of social issues affected um, people here locally. And so um, when I moved away uh, to pursue my graduate studies, I kind of really felt that um, lack of community, uh, kind of connection that I had both to my professional and um, Islamic communities to my Muslim community here um, on the West Coast. And so um, having the opportunity to connect with um, Komal and Halima and Sakina, who are doing this really incredible work, um, was, you know, only possible because of the pandemic as well. Um, but mm -hmm. alhamdulillah, it was great to kind of um, find this like small community of um, incredible Muslim women, Shia Muslim women that were um, interested in, in uh, kind of prioritizing. Uh, racial justice in in our communities. Can you give us a quick uh, run through of some of the events that you've actually done so far? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's been about um, less than a year actually, and our advocacy work started out with um, Halima and uh, Sakina were raising money um, to in the immediate aftermath of the George Floyd murder uh, mm -hmm. to support protests. So they were. Um, Find, uh, funding things like water and, and supplies for people that were on the streets. Um, and then thereafter, we um, had a series of online events that included uh, lectures and, and panel discussions, um, lectures on race and liberation within the Islamic tradition with folks such as Hajj Muhammad Ali um, and Sheikh Jafar Mohibullah and uh, Professor Sylvia Chan Malik. Um, we've had a training session with um, the Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative, Muslim ARC, who are um, we consider to be really close partners and friends, uh, who came in and did a training with us um, early in the fall with several uh, leaders and youth from across North America in from Shia Muslim communities across the continent. Um, we also had a pretty exciting social media campaign during Ramadan that was centering the voices of Black Shia Muslim community leaders, activists, and scholars. Um, we've had a film screening on um, incarceration and uh, discussion around that, as well as abolition. And uh, we hosted a town hall in collaboration with some of our other community partners prior to mm -hmm. the election. So it's like there's there's quite a few a things. Lot. There's also events, yeah. yeah. So alhamdulillah, like the the kind of the second half of 2020 was really um, was really. Uh, robust, I think, in the kind of programming that we were able to offer and the conversations that we were able to have. And kind of like Halima mentioned, our organization did, um, you know, coalesce around this moment of the anti-racism reckoning at the end, er, in, during the summer of 2020, um, mm -hmm. when a lot of our communities were kind of reacting in that moment and, and wanting to do something. We saw this kind of desire to have conversations, to host events, to to really kind of also take a moment to like introspectively think about where have we not been addressing racism in our own communities and, and how are we actually maybe a part of this problem. And so we saw that and we saw this kind of um, desire for from our communities to, to learn and to kind of have these conversations. Um, but kind of, you know, having having some foresight and knowing how these things are, we we had a feeling that it wouldn't, you know, last. It would it would kind of fizzle up mm. after a few months and after a few events. And so um, part of creating the Shia Racial Justice Coalition was to do just that, was to kind of make sure that these conversations were something that we could continue to have in our communities um, long, long beyond the summer of 2020. 
Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because, you know, it's built within our discourse, I think, uh, culturally. Um, that racism is built within the discourse, which is sad to say, but it's something that we all have to work as communities to, um, you know, sort of <laughs> eliminate. Um, I see that within the um, pre-interview, one of you mentioned that we do have Black Shia Muslims. Why is it important to make this, um, you know, uh, point clear? Whoever wants to go. Um, I can start and then some yeah. of you want to add. Um, you know, growing up for myself, um, mm -hmm. I was always surrounded by other Afghans. I was surrounded by other South Asian um, groups. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, I never really interacted with Black Shia Muslims. Um, and it unfortunately, like, it's not something that I was aware of until I was an adult. Um, and so it's, it's, the Black Shia community is often marginalized and not only marginalized just because of their skin color, uh, but marginalized further because they are Shia as well, right? And mm -hmm. so a lot of, um, you know, Shias are not necessarily welcome in in, Muslim, in general Muslim spaces. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think it's very important to make that distinction because if we aren't making that distinction, there's no way that we're eradicating anti-Blackness in our communities. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to hit the point home, um, one of the things that I learned much more recently is that some of our Imams, our beloved Imams, alayhi salam, uh, they had Black or African descent, you mm -hmm. know, in them. Um, and that's often some, not something that you hear, right? And so right. for us to uplift um, marginalized communities, that also means uplifting within our own, right? And that includes the Black Shia Muslim community that we often don't hear about. And so mm -hmm. one of the missions of SRJC was to make sure we amplify Black Shia voices and making sure that we make those connections from, let's say, the South Asian community, the Arab community um, into the, the Black Shia Muslim community, um, because there, there are great scholars and activists in, in that community that we haven't been necessarily um, tapping into. Mm -hmm. And if everyone wants to stay um, until the end, we're going to actually play a couple of the clips from the Black Shia Muslims that you guys have amplified, uh, the voices that you have ampl amplified, which is amazing. Emran, um, if you want to go with your next question. Yes. And um, <laughs> I think we, we were talking about the Mohara minutes that you guys had done. That was, I think, a great example of highlighting Black Shia voices. So mm -hmm. I have the thumbnails here if you maybe want to talk us through that and then we could play the clip sure yeah so this this initiative was um like if you remember muharram last year was around august um and so it was towards the end of the summer mm -hmm. when um we'd had several of these kind of um events already um that we had organized in collaboration with some of our partners including um yasin ed in um in um in California, sorry, um, mm -hmm. as well as the Muslim Council of Southern California, Muslim ARC, um, and um, the Hussein Center for Social Justice. And so after having a, several kind of, these were more lecture types of events where people came okay. on Zoom or, or watched the kind of live stream on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And um, we, so we'd had a, a several conversations the, on the themes of um, racial justice in the Shia communities, um, talking about cultural identity, um, solidarity, um, and also like thinking about what it means to um, enact anti-racism in the context of awaiting the 12th Imam and awaiting the Imam of our time, Imam Mahdi and Alayhi Salam. And so um, we, we'd had several conversations and we 
we knew that this was like a lot for people to, to think about and to kind of continue to have this conversation. And so through Muharram, we wanted to to do something a little bit different that would keep people engaged, keep these conversations going in our homes um, and in our kind of virtual spaces as as we were um, still in the thick of this pandemic. Um, and so that's where the idea for Muharram Minutes came about. Um, and we partnered with another organization as well um, to um, talk to some of the really inspiring leaders um, and activists and scholars in our communities to, to reflect on what um, the message of Imam Hussein um, that we commemorate every year meant kind of in this particular moment. It's, it's obviously a timeless message of, of um, the victory of justice over oppression, of good over right. evil. And we wanted to really kind of think about that in the context and, and to really see what, um, what that message meant to people right now today mm -hmm. and how it kind of um, either inspires the work they do or really just kind of um, is, is a part of the way that they're living their lives. And so it was a mm -hmm. really beautiful um, example and inshallah we'll see this clip of Sheikh Nuru. Yes. Okay, so hopefully we can hear it. The composition of the camp of Imam al Hussein is a true manifestation of activism against racism. It was all inclusive, and each member of the camp, irrespective of his or her age, background, or race, was made to feel welcomed and comfortable by our beloved master. About Abdullah al Hussein alayhi salam. It is that time of the year when we are expected to renew our allegiance by learning from Karbala and Ashura. Yes, we do have racism within our communities. Let us join our hands together to stand against racism and aim to eradicate racism of whatever form within our communities. It is our duty and responsibility. And about Abdullah al Hussein and his companions showed us the way assalamu ala al-husayn wa ala ali ibn al-husayn wa ala awlad al-husayn wa ala ashab al-husayn wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh i um i think that's an such an amazing message that um the true message of karbala is you know bringing people together and working against racism. But one thing that I guess stands out to me, and this also stood out to me when this was all um, at the forefront in the summer, was in order to start the work towards eradicating racism, you have to be humble and accept that there is racism in our communities. So I think that that um, that brings up the point, and, and I wanted to ask you, when you were, I guess, forming this organization and approaching different communities, was there any pushback that you faced? Um, so maybe like communities saying, you know, there's no racism here or like, don't criticize us, things like that. Or even if, if, even if it wasn't so explicit, did you feel any of that like sentiment? I think um, when we were encouraging uh, community centers and masjids to release some sort of statement around the George Floyd death, there was some pushback there. Um, some some masjids didn't want to necessarily say anything, or if they did say something, it was very vague in terms of its wording. They wanted to stay away from say, saying anything along the lines of like Black Lives Matter or like anything that was like too anti-police or what have you. Um, but over time, I think more centers were very much receptive. Um, 
receptive to it because we were coming equipped with information. Um, we even as you know as an org, one of the things we um, recognized very quickly was that translated resources will go a long way. And so we had translated um, Letters for Black Lives, which was um, something that an organization um, had put together. We translated that into both Urdu and Farsi mm-hmm. um, in hopes that, you know, getting that out to the masses, especially to the elders who are oftentimes mm-hmm. the um, folks at different massage and, and community centers, like really running the show. Um, right. You know, getting translated resources to them so that they could understand mm-hmm. what's going on, understand the racialized background to all those things. And I think that really helped get the ball rolling. Um, and then, you know, having just different contacts at different centers who had an in with, you know, the board at the masjid or had an in with like the specific yeah. elder that like, you know, you have to get the <laughs> approval from. Right. Um, yeah. And so I think over time, I think folks just became more receptive. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the beginning and in, in the heat of the George Floyd aftermath, a lot of centers mm-hmm. were a bit more reserved, a bit more hesitant. Mm-hmm. Um, but things definitely has have gotten better since then. Um, of course, we still have much more work to do, but we're definitely, from my perspective, making slow but steady progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking also, of- oh, I'll add one thing real quickly, like yeah. what Helena said, I think um, the the importance of like kind of having that trans- translation, translated materials and things like mm-hmm. that, we recognize yeah. that this conversation, particularly around social justice and anti-racism, um, is one that a lot of the younger generation was well-versed in already. It was something we're familiar with. It's something we've kind of grown up understanding um, the particular mm-hmm. histories of racism, the history of anti-Blackness and slavery in America in particular. Um, and mm-hmm. so it was something that was really new for a lot of the older generation. And so Mm -hmm. um, part of the kind of the idea, both of like coalition building and of working with our communities was that we we recognize that there's a lot of um, like learning and unlearning that has to be done. And we wanted to kind of be able to provide the resources that are necessary, not only for us to be doing that work, but to kind of empower the youth um, and the community leaders uh, in in their own communities to Mm -hmm. these conversations. That's actually what I was just going to ask you. So that's amazing. Okay. <laughs> um, our next question would be, how can people get involved with your work? Um, and what specifically would they be doing? So there's a couple of ways that you can get involved Um Let's say in your own community, um, you s- want to run some type of event or you want to do something in your own community. Um, you know, we're more than happy to collaborate to um, sort of be like a co-sponsor, um, you know, to assist or support in any way that we can, especially when it's around topics of um, racial justice. So, um, you know, change and uh, and impacting your own community starts at home right so if there's anything that you think can happen in your community let us that you think we would be um that we would align with let us know and, and reach out to us we're always open to um assisting um we have uh, after ramadan inshallah we'll have another muslim anti-racism training um and so that's a really great way for everyone of all ages to get involved. Um, Muslim ARC is a, is a really great org. We've done one training with them so far where you know, people of all ages joined um, to learn more about anti-racism work. So inshallah, we'll have another one after Ramadan um, mm-hmm. that we encourage young and old, not old, young and wise <laughs> uh, to, to join. Um, and so 
we have that and like honestly just you know taking the resources that we're putting out there and introducing that to your own community right um we try to have as as big of a reach as possible but of course we can't get to every corner or every masjid in in the u.s or across the world so anything that you can take from us if there's something that you think can help your community that you think we can um, support or assist with you know we're happy to to do that as well mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's exactly what i was um trying to get at with the coalition building part one of the incredible yeah. things that came out of the last muslim art training that we hosted was um we met people from all over north america who um were already doing really incredible um things within their own communities and so it was mm-hmm. not only an opportunity for us to come together and to receive this training from muslim arc in their anti-racism competencies but we also had a chance to um kind of start building our network um and and kind of seeing who is doing this work already and who we can kind of collaborate with and and share resources and kind of um, when it comes to, um, you know, the events that we're, we're putting on in the future, um, which inshallah we should have. If you follow us on social media. You, I, I think the ticker has some of um, our Instagram yes. handles. Which, um, we will inshallah, be releasing within the next couple of weeks what our Ramadan programming is, is going to be as well. Um, so keep, keep an eye on that space um, mm-hmm. um, for of that because um, I think the the kind of the more conversations that we're in together, um, these it, it allows for these um, these connections and and collaborations to happen um, in a way that really is only facilitated by this moment where we are all online and virtual, which um, Alhamdulillah is a bit of a silver lining. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, Sama, I wanted to ask you: Can you give us a little more detail about the Muslim anti-racism training? Yeah, absolutely. So um, what it is, is we have um, the, the trainers uh, from Muslim Arc will come. It's on Zoom a couple of hours. Um, and what it is, is it's a really interactive workshop where they'll take us through um, several materials and interactive kind of um, ways in which we're identifying uh, the kind of systemic as well as interpersonal and um, intercommunal racism that exists within our communities. Um, mm-hmm. And each one is a, is a different level. So the first level that we've um, already conducted, if you haven't attended, um, mm-hmm. it's okay. We, you can contact us ahead of time to get some of the resources to prepare you in order to participate in the second one. And so it's about two hours long and it includes, um, yeah, like I said, going through some of their presentations as well as a lot of interactive uh, breakout sessions and activities that is both on introspection and really kind of training us to think about anti-racism through through the frame, framework um, that they've created. So um, I think transitioning um, into that, and again, our, your website is on the ticker. So that one, that should be updated soon um, with your future programs, right? Yes. Okay, okay. Um, so I think that the, the um, final piece of this we want to really ask you what do you personally get out of this work um and maybe if we want to start with sama and then i know halima you didn't introduce yourself earlier so we can we can go back to you and you can kind of answer both of those she thought she got out of it (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) no no worries i think um, okay yeah i think the i mean for anyone that's doing this work it is deeply personal it is something Mm -hmm. that um, I mean, for me, I I mentioned briefly before that I kind of grew up doing a lot of work in my um, local community um, in in at the Azhar Islamic Center in in Vancouver in particular, um, and was kind of involved in the in the youth committee and in organizing there as well as then uh, when I went to university, I was really involved in um, kind of the 
what you could call it, like the Muslim activist scene in Vancouver as well, where we were really having a lot of conversations on Islamophobia, um, thinking through the kinds of changes that were happening um, in, in what we observed around us politically, socially, um, and, and thinking about the way that as Muslims as well, uh, we are racialized in, in North America and what that means and what that look like in terms of our daily interactions um, with other people as well as with each other. Um, and so for me, this work in particular was kind of feels a bit and I don't mean to sound like cheesy about it, but like a bit like a homecoming where I had this kind of time where I was, you know, a little bit away from my community and and from this work. But I it was something that I always felt like I was missing and something that I felt um, you know, deeply connected to it in terms of just it being really meaningful to have these conversations, but not only conversations, but thinking about the way that we can both make ourselves and our communities places that are better. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Halima, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, so um, much of, you know, what Sama said resonates with me in the sense that mm -hmm. this type of work is deeply personal to me. Um, you know, I... I hold the values of our Prophet wasalam, the Ahlul Bayt salam, very closely to me, and not just in um, remembrance, but also in, you know, character and my actions and how that is uh, manifested in the community work that I do, especially mm -hmm. for those that are oppressed, especially for those that are less um, less advantaged. And so for me, it's a very deeply personal thing to ensure that equality, um, equity, justice, all of those themes that we are taught so much of growing up as, as Shia, um, you know, themes that are very prevalent in, in Muharram, for example, and, and really just in all of our imams and everything. So, you know, the best way that I can resonate or the, the best way that I can, um, you know, exemplify i guess those characteristics is through community work um and so i've done community work within the afghan diaspora for about five years now mm -hmm. and it's along this very much the same lines um you know uplifting those that don't have a voice uplifting those that um are on the, you know the marginalized end of the stick um and so it's a very just a fulfilling thing to for me like i don't necessarily um look for anything other than advancing marginalized right mm -hmm. um and it's very fulfilling to me like i you know and, and going into more about who i am i work in it professionally um as my day job and um and so like you know i i have a nine to five i do that and then i switch gears into the community work that i'm very much passionate about mm -hmm. um and a lot of the it work that i do like you know becomes very helpful when it comes to community work um you know for srjc um if anyone visits our website I, I built our website so you can go take a look if it looks wow. great let me know if there's anything that's broken <laughs> let me know too so I can fix it um and so like you know using the skills and stuff that I've learned in my day-to-day -day, um you know professional career I've been you know blessed to apply it to the community work that I do um and so that's essentially you know who I am why I do the work that I do I'm just very motivated and driven to raise the marginalized, um, you know, especially in America when there's so much racial and, and um, you know, economic disparities, um, I think it becomes ever more important to make sure that you're doing your part, um, especially within your own community, but in the broader um, lens of it as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
one last question that we have for you. Um, how can you, what advice do you have for youth on how they can approach their own community centers in order to add more um, anti-racism? Um, you know, it could be seminars, it could be lectures within their mosques mm-hmm. um, or to help in any way possible. Sama, do you want to go first? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, so I will say this, um, having done a lot of community work in, in my masjid as a youth, mm-hmm. sometimes it can get very frustrating because when you're um, dealing with some elders that are controlling all aspects of the masjid, the programming and all that, yeah. it can become a little bit disheartening. And so what I would say to the youth is to not give up. Um, you know, to push for these types of programming. Mm-hmm. And in the event that you don't necessarily receive the response that you're hoping for, um, you know, do something outside of the realm of the masjid, you know, get a couple of your friends or people from the youth group itself um, to do like a weekend, um, you know, active service, community service type thing, volunteering, um, so on and so forth. If you have an idea that you want to flesh out, please reach out to us. We're more than happy to assist in fleshing out those ideas. Um, even if you need like speakers or stuff like that, Alhamdulillah, we have, we've created quite a network, um, you know, within the SRJC umbrella. So we have folks that we can assist you um, with any type of program that you want to do, but don't mm-hmm. give up, be persistent. That, that would be like my main um, advice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, everything Halima said, as well as, I think um, I don't. I don't want to reveal our age or anything, but Halima and I are on the you know older end of the youth spectrum, and I think um, with that kind of experience, we're we're more than happy to to help advise or to even like we said collaborate. It, sometimes that just kind of helps to have another partner organization to um, to kind of bounce ideas with, as well as like Halima said, connect you to other speakers and and other groups that would be interested in in uplifting your work. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that is unfortunately all the time we have for now. Um, But thank you so much, both of you, for coming on and sharing your work. And we are really looking forward to see what you do next month and also Mm -hmm. in the the future. future. (laughs) Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. This is lovely. For sure. You were just listening to the Community Voice talk show um, where we heard uh, from the people behind Shia Racial Justice Coalition. Um, And to hear a replay of this show, you can visit the Umojo website under prior talk shows on the Umentor tab, um, or you can subscribe to our Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, or YouTube channels. Um, And please join us next week for the Umentor talk show. Umojo Outreach Foundation uniting and empowering the Shia community.